Good morning. Thank you. We normally have to uh, give everybody time to sit down and calm down after the excitement of seeing one another. Anyway, I'm going to do the announcements, and then Mike will come and pray for us. And um, we are welcoming Rich back this morning to play piano. For, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Nobody happier than I when Rich is here. It's wonderful. Uh, Toby is not here today, so you'll be dealing with Kathy and I to lead you in worship, so please sing loudly. Um, announcements. We have the ladies' prayer meeting Wednesday morning, 10.30. Uh, they know what they need to do, all those who are part of the Revelation Bible study. Uh, then Wednesday afternoon, 3.30, we have our prayer meeting here at church. If you want to join us, please come. Please feel free to do that. Then we want to remind you about Teen Challenge. That's the box up there. Um, people just bring, put stuff in there. Our missionaries, Wilfredo and Luz, will take the food to David or Puerto Rios, depending on which site they're ministering in that week. The thing is, we don't just give food. We also make sure that it goes accompanied by the gospel. Many, many men have given their hearts to the Lord uh, with the ministry there and have turned their lives around. And Wilfredo and Luz, our missionaries, um, we thank you so much for your generous support and help that you are giving them. We want to remind you about them, especially to pray for them. The ministry has grown tremendously. Every week there's people who give their hearts to the Lord, nobies who come to the Lord, and their lives are turned around. A man recently lost his job because he stopped drinking with the young guys, and they just pushed him out. They fired him. So... You know, that's the sign. That's persecution for Christ's sake. But, I mean, that is awesome because it gives God the opportunity to show who God is and this man to be a witness to say, I don't care, I'm going to serve Jesus. So let's remember Wilfredo and Luz. They're also praying a lot right now about the direction of the ministry. They, they bring food every Friday and Sunday, and it's becoming a lot. There's sometimes up to 300 people over a weekend that needs to be given food. So um, we are looking at how to deal with that and praying that God will lead us in all of that. Then um, next Sunday, church time as usual. If you have any prayer requests or needs, um, please, there's, there's, uh, there are prayer request cards at the back. You can just put it all into the suggestion box at the back there, and we will pray for that. Mike is going to open in prayer and then we're going to start worship. Thank you, Celeste. Before I open in prayer, I want to share something with you. As I was getting ready to come to church this morning, I was standing there looking in the mirror and, and I noticed what little bit of hair I have left is getting gray. And then I noticed the wrinkles on my face, you know, and I thought to myself, you know, they don't make mirrors like they used to. But isn't it amazing how everything in our life is perfect and we don't have any problems? Would you agree with that? Uh, most of us know what it's like to think that life isn't anywhere near what we'd like it to be. And maybe you felt that way this morning when you got up. Physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, even spiritually. We may be facing especially difficult days and as a result, we're tempted to become disillusioned. So what are we supposed to do? 
Well, we can start by asking God for his protection from three powerful sources of spiritual trouble, which are bitterness, resentment, and self-pity. These three silent killers will slowly strangle our faith and spill over into envy and malice toward those who have what we want. Ephesians 4.31 tells us that let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. While that sounds easier said than done, remember it no matter how difficult our life may seem, God always empowers us with the Holy Spirit that, so he can enable and overcome all these issues. So if you will, bow with me and we'll open with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, the sovereign creator of the universe and everything that fills it, every faculty we have, our power of thinking or of moving our limbs from moment to moment is given by you. Father, we know if we devoted every moment of our life exclusively to your service, we couldn't give you anything that was not already yours. Any wealth, power, strength, gift, or talent we have comes from you. Even our ability to give generously comes from you. We are here once again to praise and worship you, and we invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us today. We ask a special blessing on those who are sick and hurting, and please open our hearts and minds as John delivers the message today. In the name of Jesus, the name above all names, we pray. Amen. Are we willing to lay our all before him now? Because we are dressed in royal robes we do not deserve. Amen. Jesus paid the price in full. And the garment of righteousness Amen. that I'm wearing is because of the price he paid. Amen. And I'm asking, I'm asking myself, Lord, am I willing to lay my all before you now? We can bow. We can sing his praises. Amen. But are we willing to give him everything that is ours? That's right. Everything that we think is ours. Because in the end, it all belongs to him. In the beginning and right through to the end, everything is his. Are we willing to give it back to him? John has asked me to uh, read the scripture he's going to be delivering the message from today. It's Hebrews chapter 3, verses 5 through 19. You're welcome to read along. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in, the, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you in an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, 
that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Good morning. How are you? Welcome here. Thanks for joining us. In my, pers- in my quiet time with the Lord, I'm reading through Acts. And I came across this verse. I uh, asked the Lord that it will be true for our fellowship. Now he's dealing with what has happened after Stephen was cru- uh, stoned because of his testimony that he looked up in heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And the Jews went berserk and threw him outside the city and stoned him. Then there was a a diaspora, a scattering of the Christians, but the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. And then when everything calmed down, this is one of the verses, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace, was being built up. How do we get built up? How does Jesus build up his, or build up his church? By the word of God. And they were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Acts 9.31 So I would ask you kindly to pray that for our congregation in your quiet time. That, that we will be able to walk or live in peace. That we will be built up by the word of God and that we will, or that we will walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. One of our members received a diagnosis of serious breast cancer. And she was ministering to another lady in the same place that they lived who developed breast cancer. And the advice she got from some Christians, that lady that she was ministered to, said, you have committed some sin of which you have to repent. That's why you developed cancer. That's what some Christians believe. A big portion of Christians believe that. My brother and sister, if God would punish us today with a sin in our lives, who will survive? That's why we needed a Savior. He made one sacrifice for sin, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. You heard last week, it was paid in full. The lady's name is Antonella Vayer. Not for a moment did she doubt the love of God, because she understood the sovereignty of God. God will allow whatever he wants to allow in your life because he is God. And because he allows what he wants, he has the power to carry us through no matter what. When we visited her, we prayed for her, we anointed her with oil according to the word, and I asked her what she wanted. And she told me, and we prayed for that. When you and I get a bad diagnosis, we must thank God because nothing comes 
to us through him. That means sovereignty. But I want to show you how good God is. She would have taken treatment in Panama, but it turns out that her dad lives in Italy, one and a half hours of one hospital that is only committed to breast cancer. One massive hospital, an hour and a half. In the tragedy of the diagnosis, God has made provision already. She could have received a very aggressive colon cancer. And she has family living 20 minutes from that hospital. And a treatment in Italy is for free. Here they would have paid with a very small option of chemotherapy. Having say this, just to know that you and I serve a mighty God who loves you dearly, who knows every thought you have and will have, who knows your sin is forgiven, but he knows your evil and my evil habits. And today there's a call of the Holy Spirit for repentance, I believe. That not you and I can judge our own heart. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Without being under condemnation, we as the church should ask the Holy Spirit, what is there in my life that grieved you? What are those things that I excuse for myself as habit, or because I'm human? And the reason we've heard, we've sung it, because of the precious blood, the value of the, of the love of the, the life of the eternal Son of God. That blood is still lying in a dusty hill in Cal uh, Calgary, uh, Calvary, Golgotha. That price he paid because of his great love. for his And he wants us to arrive spotless. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. When is today? On the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go away astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. And I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This chapter in Hebrews is not telling us that we who have truly been born again, that our lives, those of us who've, whose lives have changed dramatically, that can fall away from the grace of God. There is a doctrine, the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. Because I want to remind you that Jesus said, no one will pluck me from your, you from my hand. And no one will pluck you from my Father's hand. But there is some conversions. There is some salvations that are not where the seed of the word of God have not fallen in prepared soil. Think of the Lord's parable. The kinds of soil 
there was the hard-trodden, the hardened heart, the hard-trodden path on which the seed of the word fell. There's an indifference, an apathy. And the, and the birds came and it took it away. Then there were hearts who received the seed, but they had only this level of soil, topsoil on top of the rock. They received, the Bible says, with joy. But when the sun came, hot, it dried up. What does that reveal? It reveals the same thing that's happened to the Israelites in the wilderness. They accepted the call of God out of Egypt because they wanted to get rid of slavery. But the call of God for the Egyptians, for the, for the Israelites out of Egypt was not only to come out of slavery, to set them free of their sin and of their uh, tribulation. But he said, come, we will worship. You will worship me. In three days' time, you will worship me. And that's when God gave them his law at Mount Sinai. So saving faith takes me out of slavery, but it brings me in a place of worship. A stony heart is only interested in the benefits of salvation. And many people think, I will accept the Lord Jesus to escape hell. But they live indifferently the rest of their lives. They are not truly saved. And the third heart is the heart who receives the word of the Lord, but also with gladness. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of this world strangled that seed. That is not true saving faith. True saving faith is the heart where the soil is deep and rich. Where we not only recognize that we are enslaved to sin, but that we look at God and we look at His creation and we look at His word and we are in awe. And when we receive that word, that seed germinates and grows strongly and grow up until it produces fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Every good tree bears good fruit. What would the Lord find with you and me today if he's looking in the branches of the fruit tree that we are supposed to be? Now, having said that, now that you know what is true saving faith, and by the way, it's not of yourself, if you and I think that you have become a Christian because you put your trust in the Lord and the Lord was standing there hoping that you will make the right decision, that's not faith. Faith is a gift of God. One day your eyes open and say, oh my goodness, I'm a sinner. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For I have been saved by faith, by grace through faith. Not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not by works. That no one should boast. So, when God says, I, I, swore, I swear an oath that these people with unbelief in their heart will not enter my rest. He's given them 40 years. You can be sitting in church for your adult life and you can believe 
that you are a Christian because you talk like one and you walk like one with only the Holy Spirit. And only you know whether the Holy Spirit is witnessing with your spirit that you are born again. That's why he says, today is the day. And do not harden your hearts. I want to, you to go to the next... Yeah, no, let, let me show you what is amazing. They have not known my ways. The King James says, they have not known my ways. Just to cut time. What did Jesus say in John 14, 6? I am the way. Last week drew your attention to the fact that we have one author of Scripture. And we have to think of God not in time. Think of God seeing the whole earth timeline in, in, in before Him. Because He's outside time. So when He said, they, always, they, they don't know my ways. In Exodus 3, the Lord said to Moses, I will send an angel with you who will guide you and protect you, but he will not forgive your sin because my name is in him. What angel of the Lord with the name of God in him do you know in the Old Testament? Tell me. Jesus. And if you don't believe me, read Paul. He's talking about the spiritual rock of Christ following the Israelite nation. God is not a, a trinity only when Jesus came. He was eternal God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who created according to Colossians and um, Hebrews? He is the Word. Jo sorry, not Hebrews, John. In the beginning was the Word. And God said, what is said, what is say, it's a word. God created through the Son. So, the, the ancient commentators of the book of Moses, the Torah, said that Moses knew that there would be a second Messiah who would lead their people in the promised land and establish his kingdom. So that was just for interest's sake. Right here, Jesus was mentioned in the scripture. If you and I do not know the way, God says, in my rest, you will not enter, or my name is not God. Now, verse 12. Take care, my brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Take care. Watch out. Beware. I want to read you something because it's easier to read than to try and memorize. This passage does not teach that true believers can fall away and be lost. The same way that accidents can be avoided by obeying the road signs which are put up for our safety, so we are preserved from the dangers of our pilgrimage by paying attention to those warnings which are annexed or coupled to the promise of salvation. Therefore, all who know the plague of their own hearts, the plague, the, decep the deception of their own hearts, will never deem it safe to dispense with that 
which God considers necessary for their spiritual safety. There are four, um, I want you to consider the word obedience. It's difficult to, to distinguish obedience from faith. If I obey, I have faith. If I have faith, I obey. Right? If you look at the obedience, it has four synonyms according to the Bible. Disobedience, unbelief, sin, rebellion. So, when you and I ignore the admonishment of the word, if we let it fly over our head, we are being sinful, disobedient, unbelieving, and rebellious. Because if you obeyed, you would have shown your faith. And that is the point of our, the, the letter to the Hebrews. He said, if you pay careful attention to what God has said in his word, what I am concerned about, the falling away, that falling away is to depart the way. If you initially depart from the way just an inch, and you have learned the behavior of ignoring scripture or saying, I will do it tomorrow, I'm guilty. Or we get into this, this TV mode where it just, it's, just, it's just words, and we will catch on when we want to. That's the devil's tactic to cause us to have an evil, unbelieving heart. Evil only means I am not doing the will of God. And if, if, this, if this admonishment was for sinners, why would he say, take care, brother? We had a weekend off. We went on a boat ride from the mainland to... Isla Colón, Bocas. If you know Canada, you would know you would not be allowed on the boat with all the safety measures already in place. And you'd be checked and double-checked. We got on the boat, started the engine, and off we went. And all the yellow jackets were on the back of the seat. Frequent flyers, frequent travelers. What about you? You're smiling at this one. How about you when you travel in the airplane? Do you listen? Do you watch them? Do you check where's the exit? You say, oh, man, get over this. I'm flying in these things for a long time. By the way, this is an illustration Alistair Beck used, which was good, I think. When we got on that boat, the first thing my wife took was the life jacket. I said, I'll sit on it. I don't have much of a cushion behind. I'll sit on it. <laughs> because it's a bumpy ride. Who would have survived if that thing capsized? You and I have to pay close attention. The word of God will not come to us in an angel to tell you I'm really serious. God is really serious what he's written in his word. And you and I have to ask the Holy Spirit to give us great respect, great awe for his word. Because that is what 
They helped the Lord Jesus to defeat the enemy. It is written. When, uh, when we look at the word heart, the, the context of heart in the Hebrew language is the essence of my being. The center of my mind, my will, and my emotions. So that means we are talking this morning about a devotion to God. That we will serve Him with single-mindedness. With wholeheartedness. That's the word surrender. That's the word consecration. Because the Lord Jesus Christ consecrated Himself to save you and me from the eternal damnation. And when we do that, it is not works or we're not carrying favor, but it's because we, we are in awe of that love that is driving us. So do not go on a guilt trip. If you're on a guilt trip right now, you have to resist the enemy. The Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts. You will feel grief in your heart. And you cannot... You cannot make it up. You cannot make up these things. You have to ask, Holy Spirit, circumcise my heart. I have become hard. I have become uncaring. I have become uh, callous. Indifferent. If you think of our mission as a church, what God has called us to do, how is your participation in the small local body we have? What is the Lord calling you to do with the gifts you have? I tell you, the greatest gift that God has given all of us is time at the moment and to pray. Prayer works. I have listened to a video, and I'm coming from, I came from Africa. Witchcraft is an awful bondage as it is here in Panama. And the, warlor, the warlocks and the witches know they are sent to break up Christian churches. And the first thing they have to do is to break up covenant relationship between brothers and sisters in church. Oh, he didn't greet me this morning. Oh, she's nose in the air today. Oh, the pastor was such and so. Causing division. That gives the enemy the strength he needs. And the second thing he does for us, he says, break up a quiet time with the Lord. You cannot, you cannot break up that church if you not stop them praying. Because they said they could actually see when they go in a, in a Christian church, three kinds of Christians. Christians with pure robes, without a spot. And then they saw Christians with pure white robes, with spots. And then they said to one another, send your arrows on the spot. Unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, jealousy, laziness, whatever, whatever I, I don't call sin. But you know what is in your life a spot in my life. Comfort, food, coffee. There's one thing in the morning I will not miss. It's my coffee. And if I stop it, in two days I have a headache. And I tell myself, see, you need coffee. Instead, I have to say, no, you're addicted. And while I'm on the topic, how do we see other people's addictions? 
How do Christians point where, oh, he's addicted to cocaine? He said, now, you can't say anything if you can't have a break in your coffee or your tea. You see, we have Christianized certain addictions. I'm not talking about that. I, I mean, what I, w I don't want to call the heavy, enjoy your coffee. I, I, if, if, I drink my coffee, if I drink my coffee in the morning, I say, bless God for the coffee bean. Bless God for the milk cow. Right? But sometimes you just ask the Lord, devote, can I devote my coffee life to you? Is there anything in my habits that you do not agree with? I want to draw your attention to, they, don't, they didn't know my, I just want to, they don't know my ways. I want you to, just to confirm what I said about the way. I found the scripture here, Exodus 33, 13, uh, Moses prayed, but therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show the, me now your way that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. How will you ever found favor in the sight of God? But except if you find the way. They were not willing to find the way or to follow the way. So they were disobedient and rebellious. We sometimes think that there's a, there's a degree of sin. No, it's either sinless, faultless, blameless, or sin. And if you and I ignore the word of God in your life, even in small things, how you treat your wife. And by the way, what struck me is that warlock said, when we go, when we see in the spirit, in the spiritual realm, thoughts speak louder than words. That struck me. So we have to ask the Lord to purify us. He's a patient God. He's a loving God. He has provided the way. And he says, don't forget that he says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So do not feel guilty. Come to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, are you saying something to me? Skip a meal one day. And use that time in your prayer room and say, Lord, what are you telling me? How am I running the race? You cannot judge your own because we, 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 we give ourselves a passing grade. Because we compare ourselves to somebody else we know that's far worse than us. It might, you might be shocked what the Holy Spirit says to you. But it is so amazing. It's always in grace. So if you struggle with your private time, if you struggle with prayer, confess it and say, Lord, my flesh does not want to pray, does not want to read the Bible. I much, much rather like TikTok because it's not dry and boring. You can be honest with God because he knows your thoughts anyway. And then you ask him, Lord, the time is near. The world is evil, and you're coming for a spotless bride. So give me the love for the word. Give me a desire to pray. I received a call this morning, early morning. My dad of 94 passed away 2 a.m. in South African time. He was a man devoted to God. I could hear him pray early in the morning, late at night. There was a stage in my life when I said, Lord, why could my dad not have been like an industrialist, 
and I could take over the business like you see with Steinway and Steinway, Steinway and Sons, or this and the Sons. Or what about the Greek people? They always have these wealthy families, and then the business is passed from, from them to the son. But at this stage of my life, I had to repent. A long time ago, I had to repent of that because I believed the prosperity gospel. God wants me to be wealthy and healthy so I can give. Lord, give me a million dollars so I can give to your church. If you can't give from $10, you will never give from a million dollars. If you calculated 10% of a million dollars, it's a lot of money. Not, a, not, a, not that we thinking of tithes when we give to the God. God says we have to give out of a generous heart what we have, not what we don't have, not under compulsion, but what you have decided in your heart. That's how we give financially. By the way, thank you for all of you who listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's difficult often. When you have physical in your heart, you have compassion. But you have to ask the Holy Spirit, should I give or should I not give? So the inheritance that I have received from my dad is priceless. He has taught me the value of God's word. I remember when I prepared for exams, he would bring me in his, uh, in his study and he would show me the promise and say, God will fulfill his promise. You bent, I bent, we pray. That's how I passed my medical exams. I needed a lot of grace. And then he has learned, taught me to pray. Sometimes when we pray together, I had to tap him on the knee and say, Dad, I'm also here. Because you can just pray, you can fall asleep next to him. So I thank God that he stepped across from this world to the next. Absence with the body is what? Amen. Are you ready? If you would die 2 a.m. this morning, this, uh, this, uh, tomorrow morning, would you be ready? God is not only taking old people, he's taking young people. He does what he wants for his sovereign. And I want each one of you to know do you know that you know if you die, you will be present with the Lord? That is the most important question uh, this life can bring you. It is not what's going to happen in the next election. What's going to happen is the World Economic Forum takes over. We serve the Almighty God. And in the midst of your deepest calamity, the provision has already been made. That's what it means, Jehovah Jireh, and the God to provide. And that's the truth of his word. And one thing I want you to know today, if you have to say it to yourself every day, God's word is true. And every man a liar, they shall not enter my rest. Amen. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What I'm not saying is that you should go and do navel-gazing, if you do introspection, if you try to find yourself. Because you will be bitterly disappointed. That's why we needed a Savior. We have heard from Mike about this bad mirror. I agree with him. Poor quality mirrors nowadays. God has created you and I to be a mirror of Him. 
So when you look inside yourself, you will see sin. You are not meant to find yourself. God is not interested that you have great self-esteem because you are a mirror. When he looks in him in a mirror, who does he want to see? Excuse me? Yeah. The image of Christ because that is perfect. That is pleasing. I cannot please God any other way but for training the love of Jesus, the quality of Jesus, the faithfulness, and all the fruit of the Holy, Holy Spirit. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we look to Him, and we look to the Word, and we have the Holy Spirit. He will test your heart. He will examine you, and He will gently bring it to you, and it will be like a, just like a grief. Just like a sadness. And then you, you will show the way out of that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your precious presence through the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the precious people that came. Lord, thank you that I know that you know them each by heart. You know what they need. You know what they lack. Because you are the great shepherd of the sheep. Holy Spirit, will you in this moment minister to our brothers and sisters? Will you remind them of those things that hamper their growth and hamper their running and soil their garments? Not because you are a tyrant, but because you want the best for us. You have said to the Israelites when they came into the promised land, into the land of rest, choose today whether you will serve God or you will serve mammon or you will serve Baal or you serve your own pleasures and your own commitments and your own careers. Choose today. God wants you to choose what is right because he knows when you choose what is right, you will have life and life to the full. He's not spoiling your fun. He's protecting you from shipwreck. These things in scripture that God has given us road signs and you can, if you just if you ignore it, our lives will be ending up shipwreck. And then we say, where is God? Where was God when I needed him? Please, Father, by your Holy Spirit, will you remind us of the things that we do that will cause us to drift away. Bless everyone this day. Bless them, Lord, with a desire to read your word and to pray and to seek your faith and to realize what an enormous pressure uh, um, Privilege it is to call ourselves by your name, handpicked by God, and that you have baptized us into Christ, and we are the apple of your eye, and that you rejoice over us with singing. What a marvelous Father. Doesn't care to be strict with us because it will save our lives. Doesn't care to put cancer on a person because she will carry it through. Her desires, Lord, let me show you that, that my life will establish or portray the glory of God in this cancer that I have. Yes, we cry and we are concerned. It is frightening. But he is the rock of ages cleft for us. He's our safeguard. He's our father. Thank you, Lord, that I can pray for our people that are getting better. Thanks for Klaus is getting better. Renny is back. Forgive me if I've missed. Lord, I think of all the prayer concerns of 
that we've shared among us, for our family members, the turmoil that is in the families, the way the enemy works to steal from us peace and joy. Please help us not to allow that. We think of Sam, Ruth, awaiting a procedure coming next week. Glenn is waiting for a heart valve. We are frail human beings, Lord. We are thankful for medicine. We want to commit these precious people to your care. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent out your guardian angels as ministering spirits to those who believe the truth. Will you minister to them? Will you heal them? Will you comfort them? In Jesus' mighty name, amen.